Welcome to the North Street Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is an attempt to connect the people of North Street Community Church in Canton, Pennsylvania with each other and beyond as we interview people and talk about various subjects. I hope this can be a time of encouragement and discipleship as you listen. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to North Street Podcast. Uh, This is Ben Hess. Yeah, this is Keegan Wright. And we're here... um, just wanted to give a little bit of a intro to the um, interview this week. So, um, so how are you doing? First of all, you doing all right? Good. Yeah, enjoying the sunshine and just enjoying yeah. starting to warm up for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I kind of I'm I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. You know, once the bugs start coming out, that's yeah. when it gets a little harder. Absolutely. Um, but you no, know, I I definitely I think I'm ready mm-hmm. for. For some warmer weather, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the summer. So we'll see. Yeah, see what that looks like. You doing good with coronavirus? Yeah, hanging in there and just trying to yeah keep on trying to yeah. see what Jesus is up to and see how. I'm really excited because I think that uh, it's really nice that our area is in the green like yes. officially. Yeah, uh, and that's good news you know yeah. that's actually that's a good thing we're we're excited about that and we'll see what happens here in the future as we move forward um as leaders here we're just trying to figure out how best to do go about certain things so mm-hmm. we'll uh so yeah so we'll we appreciate your prayers in that and yeah as we we seek the lord's will for that yeah mm-hmm. so um the podcast this week uh i actually recorded it a little bit ahead of time uh Keegan was not there. We couldn't. We didn't coordinate getting together everything. But I interview Sonny Siegfried, mm-hmm. and it was uh, we did the recording at my house, and um, you can hear the birds chirping in the background and some <laughs> different things. So, um, so that's kind of where that's at. And we we talk about different things. So one of the things we talk about is just her general growing up a little bit. Uh, we don't. It's funny because we ended up not talking about every aspect of her sure. journey to North Street in some ways, um, but we do talk about some of the earlier areas, and then we end up getting talking about uh, mental health mm-hmm. and kind of that you know. So we uh, talk about stigma a little bit and yep. some of those dynamics. We actually talk about narcissism a little bit with pastoral leadership and burnout and some of those things. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting for me as a pastor you yeah. know i like talking about those things yeah being open uh and then we also talk about uh spiritual gifts mm-hmm. a little bit and kind of learning how to be open with each other about the different um you know because there's a lot of opinions yeah when it comes to spiritual gifting right absolutely and a lot of people are in different areas doctrinally mm-hmm. um and uh, we don't have like an official position as a church here on those mm-hmm. issues um but we it's nice to be able to talk about those things openly yeah you know and and to come to each other with those hard questions of like well <laughs> you know what does this mean or yeah. is this allowed or yeah. like is this really biblical or you know yeah. It was really interesting. You're talking about like narcissism and then spiritual gifts, and uh, so again, another not personality test, but testing yep. in your gifts. The the APES test talks about apostleship, mm. 
um, prophetic, evangelistic shepherding and teaching. Mm-hmm. And shepherding, they kind of give some strengths and some potential weaknesses of each yeah. um, each type. And shepherding is kind of the typical, what you think of, of a pastor, mm-hmm. typical pastor. And that had like the longest list of pitfalls because we've seen it the most. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that list was like two pages long of all the, <laughs> the yeah. potential weaknesses. So yeah, there's, yeah. Just, there's struggles. So there's, yeah, so we, we talk about that and we just... We, you know, the desire here on the podcast is just that we have some open dialogue about some of these different issues. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just being open with, with each other and asking questions and not, you know, not coming at things with saying, you know, well, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. I know this or whatever, but also coming from our experiences and learning to ask questions and, and coming at things with, with questions and saying, you know what, this is how I've experienced it, and I wonder what that means, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and just having that open kind of dialogue. So, um, so yeah, the the discussions are interesting, and I hope you guys can enjoy um, the interview that we have. So yeah, and I'm excited to listen to it along with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so until next time, um, we'll see you and enjoy the enjoy the interview. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the North Street Podcast. Um, thanks for listening, everyone who's listening. And today I have a guest, so a special interview guest. And actually, what's um, one other variable that I'll just let you guys all know is that Keegan's not with me, and I'm at my house. So if you hear birds singing or my children crying, <laughs> that's what's happening. So my guest today is... Sonny Siegfried uh, and she's been coming to North Street now for a little while and uh, has been involved in different uh, areas there and uh, and so I'm just excited to be able to have this time with you Sonny so welcome thank you <laughs> I'm excited As, to be here yeah so um, so some people know who you are at North Street and many people probably do not know you um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm just going to ask you right out from the get-go, kind of, who are you and uh, where do you come from? Uh, yeah, where were you raised? Are you from Canton or Troy area? Or um, <laughs> So we moved around a lot. Um, we like to joke that my parents are part gypsy. But um, so I was actually, my mom is from like the um, Quakertown, Doylestown area. So I was actually born okay. down there, but we moved to like Wysox, Rome area before I was a year old. And we actually went to Canton Mennonite Church Okay. when I was little. Um, so back in the day. Back in the day, we were at Canton Mennonite <laughs> what Church. What years, do you know what years that would have been? It would have been um, like spring of 89 until right around the beginning of the summer in 1991. Okay. Just um, curious. Just yeah, no. my um, So we were driving from Rome to Canton every week and okay. then my parents had my younger sister and so they had three kids under the age of five and driving 45 minutes to an hour to church with three kids that young got yeah. to be too much and yep. um, they started New Life Mennonite Church in okay. Athens and so that was a lot closer and we just started going All there right. okay. so there are a lot of people from that are now at North Street that I actually know from New Life like Aldifers, okay. um, Lynn Landis, yeah. Pat Dunbar. All right. 
Um, nice. And then I remember, like, there are people that I remember even from when I was less than three and we were at North Street. Okay. Um, like Doug and Leona, I would remember. Yep. Um, Corlissa, actually, I remember being okay. in Sunday school with Corlissa. That's crazy. Um, my brother and Dustin were like best friends when they were little. Yeah. So, like, I remember, I have vague memories. So then you were gone, not, I mean, so you have vague memories of that. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, because, like, I never, I don't think I knew you at all, knew who you mm -hmm. were um, growing up, even though I went to Canton Mennonite, but that was years later. So, right. like, uh, that's kind of interesting how it's, like, you knew you knew of yeah. some people, and then you come back. And then back, you come back, and, and like then, yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay, so you did that, and then, so you grew up in the church, mm -hmm. uh, exposed to Christianity. You weren't, oh. like, you yeah. know, far off or anything. Like, oh, definitely. That, you know. So, like, my parents actually were, before they moved back to Doylestown area, they were missionaries on a native reservation in northwest Ontario. And my brother was actually born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Okay, okay. Um, so, so you were raised in kind of a, a, just a, a Christian home. You mm -hmm. kind of knew what was up that way. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm sure that played a part then um, and continues to play a part in your faith journey now. Yes, For very sure. much so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I've so. always been in church. Like okay. It's, I think the longest period I've been out of church is right now. When uh, yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> okay, so um, do you have a specific, do you remember of a specific time when you were like, your life was transformed or like you were like i'm gonna start following jesus now uh, i mean I more think independent it, right. of like your family i think my life being transformed is probably <laughs> too dramatic but i would have been about five okay um we went to so there's um we would go on tuesday nights to north Rome wesleyan church at the time they had like a tuesday night kids night thing okay um clubhouse Nice. And they did an altar call, and I, like, responded to the altar call. I was about five. My sister actually had accepted Jesus in her heart, um, like, a month or so before that. She okay. was three. My mom was, my mom had a hair salon attached <laughs> to our house, and my mom was cutting her hair, and somehow the conversation came up, and my sister wanted to ask Jesus in her heart. And so my mom had, like, told all of us about this. Um... And there was something that she did. I have no idea what it was, but she did something she wasn't supposed to and was going to get in trouble for it. And I told her that because <laughs> she had sinned again, that Jesus wasn't in her heart anymore. Uh, and she was traumatized by this. Oh, no. And so my mom sat the two of us down and, like, explained salvation. <laughs> okay. um, and then, yeah, and then I responded to an altar call at Okay. At North Rome. So that's kind of, like, what you have in your mark, uh, as a marked time in your head yeah. of... Because I find that, I just find it interesting. I find um, so many of our experiences, uh, many of our experiences of people who have been raised uh, maybe a, in a Christian home or in, uh, you know, around that, we we kind of, you know, very young ages have mm -hmm. decided this. Um, and I just find that journey to be interesting, the relationships that develop uh, and how your relationship with God develops over time. Yeah. And... I feel now, you know, I, I question sometimes the, like, I, I think having a mark is really good. And I, I think for some people, though, uh, they don't always have that mark very clearly. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so then baptism, I often find if we have, yeah. if you have, like, a believer's baptism, you know, where you're going forward and you say, I want to be baptized mm -hmm. as a, 
however old you are, um, can be that marker. And so, yeah, I just I just find it interesting how um, uh, it's sometimes maybe a little more blurry our relationship. Yeah, and like I've had interesting conversations with people who've grown up in the church and they feel like they're not really saved because they never had like a salvation experience. They've just always been. And so like I think a salvation experience is cool, but it's really more about like do you have a relationship with God? Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I think of maybe this is a bad comparison, (laughs) but like I think of my relationship with Corlissa, my wife, whom I I knew her I I, I knew of her since uh, I was like eight, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember the first time I met her. I don't remember, you know, yeah. those types of situations. Um, I and honestly, you know, okay, we had a wedding, so maybe that could be compared to baptism. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair comparison. <laughs> and uh, and so I, uh, you know. I hardly remember that. <laughs> no, it was I was all a blur. You were so in love. That's yeah. what it was. No, I, 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 uh, I do remember it. But you know, a relationship with somebody is, um, it's, it's ongoing. It's, it's not just. Uh, and, and for some people, yeah, it's the first. You know, they meet somebody. It's that first time. It's like whoa. Uh, for the next, the next person, it's gradually over time. You know, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, it's like more of an acquaintance. My parents were acquainted in relationship with Jesus before I was, mm-hmm. and so it was just I was acquainted with Jesus. Right. I did have just, a I did have a experience. You grow up with but, an awareness of him being there. Right. Yeah. And so I did have an, a personal experience, of course, and I think that's important. But also um, understanding that sometimes it's a little more vague uh, how that yeah. is marked. Okay, so you had an experience, mm-hmm. um, you've had all of that. Um, tell me more about like just your overall life experience as far as, um, like, and, and then eventually you ended up at North Street, so like... So, yeah, we had know, to move away somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, so, we actually, when we, we lived in Rome, and we actually lived across the yard from my mom's parents, um, her mom had a lot of health problems, and we ended up... They ended up building an apartment onto her house, and there were actually people from, like, Doug Grable would have been one, again, okay. who actually came and helped build that. We They had, my grandparents were from the Doylestown area, so there were people that came up. It was okay. very, like, Amish barn raising kind of building an <laughs> apartment, because we just had all these random people that would come and help do different parts of building the apartment, um, because she ended up in a wheelchair. So we moved in with them then, okay. um, which was very much a defining part of my childhood like my grandmother being in the hospital is something I have very vivid memories of yeah um and it also meant so like my mom owned a salon and it was then across the yard and so she'd be at work and my grandmother helped homeschool all of us um my dad's job he worked at a group home so he would do like 24 hour shifts he'd be like 24 hours on 48 hours off Mm -hmm. um and then he also had an auction business so he was like traveling down to york for stuff and like back up because that's where he's from um and so because i was the oldest girl and my grandmother was in a wheelchair i think there was a lot of responsibility that I mean, all of us ended up carrying a lot more responsibility, but as the oldest girl, I think there were a lot of things where, like, I just ended up helping Grammy with a lot of things. Um, So that was pretty formative as you were growing up. Yes, very much so. Um, 
And then, let's see, it would have been, I would have been 10, and we were going to um, a Christian school in Rome, and she had five heart attacks between Halloween and Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, and at the time, my dad was actually living down in York during the week. He was staying with his parents, and he was only home on the weekends. Okay. Um, he was working on... He was working at an auction down there. He had become an auctioneer at that point. We owned a building materials auction, and so we were doing, like, four times a year we were doing an auction, but he was down there during the week and home on the weekends. Um, and we were working on moving to York, and then that ended up shifting, and we moved to Spruce Lake instead. Like, God oh, wow. kind of, like, stepped in and was like, uh, just kidding, you're moving to Spruce Lake. <laughs> um, but my with all of my grandmother's health problems and stuff, in one of the trips, we were actually going to visit my dad for the weekend. I want to say at my grandparents, but it might have been at Spruce Lake. I'm not sure where we okay. were in that switch. Um, and we always had this joke, like, road trips with dad, you just laugh the whole way and play games. <laughs> road trips with mom, we have conversations about, like, um, relationships. There's always, like, God money and there's like another one where you have these like really intense conversations oh, that's funny. um and she we had this conversation about like how do you know that god is real mm. and like if somebody asked you to prove it like what would you say and we went around and around with this and she was like <laughs> challenging us at, like i was 10 um and we're going around and around with this in the car and then i started like thinking about that a lot and okay. especially with like everything that had happened with my grandmother and like I'd been praying for her to be healed and she yeah. kept having these heart attacks and stuff. And so I reasoned it through and decided that there's actually no way to know that God is real and the whole thing is probably made up. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then we moved to Spruce Lake. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Spruce Lake? Just so, so people Spruce know. Lake is a Mennonite owned um, Christian camp and retreat center. Okay. Um, it was founded in 1963. It's owned by the Franconia Mennonite Camp Association. And um, it's, I would say, probably other than like, obviously, my parents and my grandparents' faith, Spruce Lake is probably the single most formational, um, okay. faith formational part of my life. Okay. Um, so we moved to So you camp. were questioning even... I had decided that God wasn't real. Okay. And I was like fighting my parents on having to go to Sunday school <laughs> and like the whole thing is made uh, up. Yeah. Um, and then we moved to Spruce Lake. And so Spruce, like when you step onto Spruce Lake property, it I can't even explain it. Like if you've never been there, it's impossible to explain. But okay. like there is... The spirit of God rests on Spruce Lake. Right. And like when you step onto the property, it's it's like a tangible thing. Okay. Um, anybody that's ever worked there has this thing. They come back and they're like, it just, it has a smell about okay. it. Like, and, and I, like they would always say that and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the woods. But no, <laughs> like now I go back and I'm like, no, like there's, there's something different when you step onto Spruce Lake property. Mm. Like there's just something different. Yeah. Um, and so... They have since changed the, like, mission statement for Wilderness Camp, but Wilderness Camp is their youth camp in the summer. And so you've got 50 to 60 upper high school and college students that show up every summer, and at the time, the mission was to impact young, young people with the reality of Jesus Christ in a rustic outdoor setting. Okay. Um, now I think it's pointing kids to Christ or something like that. But, um, so... We moved to Spruce Lake two weeks before summer camp started. Okay. And so then all these college students show up 
and their entire mission for the summer is to impact young people with the reality of Jesus Christ. Wow. And that was the first time I started hearing stories. So we had actually spent the summer at Spruce Lake the year before. Okay. And lived uh, lived in a cabin there. And like, um, I spent my mornings cleaning bathrooms for Jesus and all of my afternoons <laughs> at the pool. Um, nice. <laughs> but so that second summer, we were back living on the property because we lived in staff housing there. And um, so like... Again, every afternoon I was at the pool, mornings I spent cleaning bathrooms, and um, every evening they have fireside, and it's just like a really fun worship Jesus and listen to a sermon, and you do that every single night all summer long. Okay. Um, and so the one camp pastor had been a counselor back in the day, and it was a summer where they actually, like almost all of the staff physically saw angels that summer and so he's telling all of the kids this story and this was one of the first weeks of camp that he was telling these stories and I was like okay so this might be a real thing and so I gave God an ultimatum and I was like you have to the end of the summer to prove to me that you're real or I'm done right okay um and the last night of camp it was a staff fireside and it didn't rain all summer we had no Mm. rain so like halfway through the summer we weren't even allowed to build fires so we had fireside (laughs) without fires we couldn't do any outdoor cooking there was no like breakfast over the fire none of that we couldn't do any fires and um we got to the last night of camp and it was staff fireside it went on to like after midnight and i was like falling asleep on a picnic table and all of a sudden it like it thundered but it's not at camp when it thunders it like rolls up the mountain and everything mm. shakes and so like everything is shaking nice. and and it just kept doing this it wasn't raining it was just thundering and it's like shaking the whole mountain as it thunders okay. and so i was like laying there on this picnic table and like the only way i can describe it it wasn't like i physically heard god but god spoke to me in the middle of this storm and he's like do you really want to question that i'm real like right. i control the thunder okay. and i was like all right like like, I surrender. Like, I surrender. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue about this. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it wow. was just like yeah. So that's interesting. I find it interesting that you were um, in nature and like in uh, an environment that was outside that kind of confirmed for you in some way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been exploring that lately a lot. Just kind of yeah. this connection between the outdoors, uh, understanding our place in this world and those types of things and how God reveals himself to us through that. And there's a verse, I think it's in Romans, about how all creation testifies to the glory of God. Mm, Like that idea of like, like nature is literally crying out the glory of God. Yeah, Yeah. And so it's really hard to spend all of your time in nature and not, and not recognize that God is very much real. Right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I really, I like, um, yeah, again, I like talking about nature and how it connects us with God or how it reveals God's character or just, I don't want to say like reveals God, but it kind of does, like Mm -hmm. in some way. And um, I I don't want to get too like, you know, mystical or whatever. Right. But at the same time, I, I find that like, yeah, there's something about being out in nature that, um, I, there's just something about it, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I've described previous on previous podcasts about um, about I think it was the last one I did. 
Keegan and I were just talking a little bit about it and just, you know, how it reminds me of my place in, in so many ways and how uncontrolled I am, like, I, how much less control I have over the things that mm -hmm. are around me. It kind of puts me in that place in this big world that's like, wow. Yeah. And it also grounds me in mm -hmm. the sense of uh, reminding me where I come from like mm -hmm. the ground yes. well and i also think like i always think about that idea of like i don't have to worry about anything because like look what look what god is doing in nature yeah yeah it's so true yeah <laughs> so and we are blessed to live in an area that is beautiful in mm -hmm. nature i mean with the right now this is springtime uh and we're seeing the leaves come out in the trees and it's just uh, yeah yeah i had i had a bald eagle in my front yard the other day oh that's cool <laughs> wow okay let's uh keep going here so what do you do now in work um kind of i am a middle and high school guidance counselor now okay okay um so i've worked in mental health and social work essentially for the last few years okay. mostly with mostly with um at risk and or abused kids okay. um but also i worked on the psych unit at the hospital so okay so you have lots of experience in uh in that realm as yes. well um i'm sure that has been an interesting experience for you as time has gone on it's an uh, adventure <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i always i find uh, mental health to be kind of a lot of times stigmatized for yes. one thing, um, you know, there's a lot out there, you know, especially within the Christian realm, there's always this weird sense of trying to figure out, well, what is spiritual and what's physical? And like, we have trouble sometimes, I think, combining those two. Yeah. Um, and so I, or distinguishing between those two, I, should, yeah. I could say as well. Yes. Um, I think conversations with Christians around mental health are probably some of the harder conversations most of the time because there seem to be these like sort of extremes right. where like all mental health is demons. Okay. I'm like, well, no. <laughs> um, just because somebody is struggling with depression does not mean that they're like being demonically oppressed. Right. Um, you're not trusting God less because you're using medication to help. Right. Um, and then at the same time, you sort of have this, like, and I've had to say this to people so many times where, like, they want to go for counseling or whatever, but they're adamant that it has to be a Christian counselor. And I'm like, depending what you're going to counseling for, hmm. you hmm. might need to look at somebody that specializes in something and is not necessarily a Christian per se, because I've been to Christian counselors okay. where it's just like, it was a waste of my money. Okay. Um, and I've been to Christian counselors that are really good. I would rather have a really good counselor mm. than have a terrible counselor who happens to be a Christian. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, cause, so as a pastor, mm -hmm. I approach this in different ways. Um, cause I think some people have trouble understanding that, uh, like our minds can be broken, like, mm -hmm. like from, uh, sin in general, not not right. because of a specific sin that somebody has committed necessarily, right. but also the fact that we as a human race um, tend to do the wrong thing and tend to have broken bodies and broken, and part of that is a 
sometimes if I can say this in a loving way, a broken brain. Like I've had mm-hmm. trouble before, I think, with, you know, maybe not getting enough serotonin or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, that affects me emotionally, that affects me in different ways. And so I, I often try to, I don't want to normalize it to the, in the sense of, of like, um, of saying like, like, well, everybody's, you know, just totally messed up and we should all just go on medication. But right. I also don't want to minimize that, the fact that we are broken people mm-hmm. with broken bodies, with broken brains, if I can say yes. it that way. And uh-huh. that, that's... I think it's a good description because the way your brain develops, like if you have something, so I'll use myself as an example. Um, when I was eight years old, my grandmother was, we were out on the porch, my grandmother was cooking dinner and I heard her scream and my older brother and I, he would have been about nine and a half, ten at the mm. time, we went inside to see what, why she screamed right. and she was having a seizure. She had fallen okay. out of her wheelchair and she was seizing on the kitchen floor. Yeah. And that is, that is a very traumatic <laughs> memory for me right. I'm as sure an eight year old. Like I remember, go- I thought she was dying. Like yeah. I screamed I and my dad f- came in and that's like. That's so crazy. I, I remember the first time I saw a seizure, and it was my uncle, and oh. yeah, it was like, what? You know, you're yeah. just totally... I went and hid in the <laughs> woods until the ambulance came. Like, I remember just, like, laying wow. in the woods, waiting for the ambulance, convinced that my grandmother was di- was oh, dead. Okay. Um, and thankfully, she wasn't, and she survived that, but, like, that's something years later, when I was in college, I spent a couple summers living with my dad's parents, okay. helping take care of my grandmotherhood, Alzheimer's, and that first summer, like... She didn't even have a seizure. She just had Alzheimer's, but just taking care of her sort of brought back all of these traumatic memories, and it made it really, really hard. Like, I ended up having to go to counseling after that just to process through Grammy Yoder dying when I was 13, not even my grandmother, my dad's mom having Alzheimer's. So, like, it changes like your brain develops differently and those kinds of experiences and it could be something like that where it's a single event and sometimes I think those are easier for people to process yeah but it could also be like somebody who grows up having their parents talking down to them all the Mm. time yeah it wires your brain differently because as your brain is developing you develop these like the way I have described it in counseling before is it it's like you start out with your path and like or it could even just be an open field and you walk through it and like the grass is going to come back and it's not a big deal. Yeah. But when you've had somebody telling you that same thing, you've essentially created this super highway of neurons where like yep. your brain does that automatically yeah. and it's what your brain thinks of. Yeah. And in order to retrain that and reprogram it and you can, there's a lot of really good research now on like neuroplasticity, yeah. which is essentially your the the brains like your neurons can can be changed and rewired. But it's time-consuming, and it takes a lot of repetition. Right, right. Um, and so people, I think, often think like, oh, we're going to give them this biblical truth. Right. For example, that like, you know, God, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says so, and we think it's going to cure 40 years of right. somebody talking down, down to them. Right. And it's, it's not. You can't walk through a field one time. God can. And I've seen God do that, where God comes and he, he can, in right. a moment, completely change that and heal that superhighway. But sometimes God takes people through a process because mm-hmm. they need that process in order to change. And I don't think you're more spiritual if God mm-hmm. chose to do that in that moment or take right. you on a journey in that. I, I find that to be the case oftentimes, like, 
you know, we want to compare each other, like, oh, they must have a better relationship with Christ. Right. But actually, you know, get, getting healed isn't always, and this is going to sound really controversial maybe, getting healed isn't always the goal. The goal yeah. is more of a relationship with mm -hmm. Christ, a deeper relationship with Christ. And sometimes I think God takes us on that journey to develop that greater relationship with Him. And, you know, and sometimes He uses uh, like a, nothing other than a miracle. And, yeah. And uh, it changes that, that, that thing. I, I just find that stuff to be so fascinating yeah. Uh, yeah. and interesting. Yeah. I, I actually read. So I find deliverance ministry really interesting. Um, and I actually have this book of like essays from Mennonite theologians on oh, wow. like um, deliverance and the demonic. And what okay. I found very unique, because I've read lots of stuff on, on like deliverance stuff. Um, what I find very unique about Mennonite perspectives on it is almost all of them post like a deliverance experience recommend counseling for the people. Oh, wow. Um, just because like a deliverance experience alone can be traumatic, but also there are patterns in a person's life that brought them to a place of being demonized. Right. And you're not just going like, just because you've been delivered doesn't mean they're not going to go right back to those same patterns. Right. You, there has to be a change. And huh. so you need to like, I think mentoring would probably have a very similar effect, but for right. some people it really is, you need the, the counseling piece of it. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I yeah. Again, I find that fascinating. I could probably talk about that for. I'll I'll ever. bring you the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of books, I recently uh, saw a book, and I don't remember the name of the title, so you'll have to pardon me on this. But it has to do, uh, and I think this is becoming more um, prevalent. People talking about narcissism uh, <laughs> oh in pastoral leadership, actually. Um, and I had brought this up with you kind of jokingly yeah. before. And, uh, and like I said, there's a, actually been a recent book on it. Now, uh, being diagnosed as a d narcissist, uh, according to psychology, is right. it? Right. So guess? You would, it, would be, it would be a psychiatric diagnosis. Okay. Um, and it would be a narcissistic personality disorder. And you okay. have to meet like certain criteria over right. a certain period of time. So I had joked with you that... Um, Something I think it was something about myself. I was trying yeah. to demean myself, yeah, <laughs> as being narcissist, and, and I was like, "No, you're not." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Well, uh, I'm a pastor, and a lot of times I don't want to judge all pastors, but I can't help it because I am a pastor. We do struggle a lot of times with yeah. narcissistic uh, tendencies. Mm -hmm. I would at least say that. Yeah, and um, and so I find it fascinating. Uh, because we were we were talking about it and we were joking about it and then you ended up kind of being like no you're not and then you kind of like backtracked a little bit and well, said well maybe you're somewhat right you can have <laughs> like narcissistic symptoms without actually being like a full-blown narcissist right. because mm -hmm. a narcissist would never admit to being a narcissist okay. <laughs> this is why like narcissism is almost impossible to treat because a true okay. narcissist is never going to admit that there's anything wrong with them okay ever okay. period <laughs> <laughs> okay so if, if you if you were to suggest that in any way they need to change who they are that they are somehow not the most amazing person on <laughs> earth then they 
like they would probably never speak to okay. you again because how dare you suggest something right, like that. Right, right. So like the fact that you're even suggesting <laughs> that I might be a narcissist <laughs> means you're not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's comforting. Uh, I try to be upfront about some of these issues um, with myself, at least, and trying to be honest and look at myself in that way because I I really desire to, um, you know, not hide, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess, and and uh, if I if there is something wrong with me <laughs> or I have a personality disorder, I, I you know I want to at least acknowledge that and and right. kind of be able to bring that to God and be like, you know what, I, you know, I need, yeah. um, and, and to be accountable in some ways to others, because I don't want to be, I don't want to end up using that and abusing mm -hmm. uh, power and that kind of thing. And because I think that can often be, you know, uh, it can be a hard thing to sort through sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, and I think when we had had the conversation at church, I was like, you're absolutely not a narcissist. Pastors are not narcissists. And then I went home and actually looked up the DSM criteria for narcissism, took a picture of it and sent it to yes, you. Yes, you did. And I was like, okay, I can see how you can argue that possibly this could be true because I think we put pastors in that kind of position a lot of times as a church. Okay. Um, where like, and I've, I've seen this happen so many times where like different people, like they need, they, they need a word from God. So they have to talk to the pastor. Mm. And it's almost like when a pastor leaves the church, suddenly they have no relationship with God okay. because they've always used the pastor as the mediator between them and God. And I think if you allow yourself as a pastor to be put in that position, first of all, right. that's a lot of weight on you. It is. But yeah. secondly, it's going to, especially if you have like your whole church coming to you that way. Wow! Yeah, that's yeah. Like it's it. You're putting yourself and in a position. It can of really God feed your pride or your ego, I guess you could mm -hmm. say, um, in those times. Like, and that's something I have to sort out sometimes. Is you know, people encourage me, you know, uh, and I try to take that as encouragement right. and say thank you for encouraging me. I try not to let that get to my head too much, mm -hmm. but I do. So, like, because on one one hand. You need that, like right. you need some affirmation at times. Or sure. I feel like I need it, so maybe that that's I mean, revealing I think, some things. I think all humans but, need need affirmation, and then when you're put in that position, like being a pastor is an exhausting right. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but the the issue is, am I doing all these things just to get that affirmation, just to get right. uh, an ego trip, or uh, to swell my pride? Right. Or am I doing it out of love? Am right. I doing it out of what I know is best for? So it's a struggle sometimes to sort out those feelings. Um, sometimes it's probably both. It could, yeah. I, I well, and I then I think that. the other things, like other symptoms, is that like you think you're deserving of special treatment, but like in churches, we do have special treatment for our pastors. Mm. Like you do pastor appreciation, and like we do different things to honor our pastors. And we're, we're told to do that in scripture, like you're supposed to honor your leaders. Right. And so you, you're put in a position where you are being given special treatment and, right. so like, and it's commanded in scripture. Um, I think the other one, there are a few things that are in there though that like, okay, that's a symptom of narcissism, but it's also a symptom of burnout, like lack oh, of empathy. Yes, yeah. When you're going, like when you've got a congregation, even as big as North Street, but you see some of these churches that have like thousands of people, right. and if you as the pastor are supposed to be empathetic and available to like all of these people. Right. 
I think even in smaller churches you see it. Like you have a congregation of like 20, the pastor is doing everything. Right. <laughs> and and there's there's a lot of burnout that comes with that. Like even working in counseling, I reached a point last year before I was doing school counseling, I was doing family-based, which is incredibly draining. You're uh, you're on call for these families 24-7, yep. and they're in a constant state of crisis. And, well, almost constant, depends on the family. <laughs> but, like, the burnout rate for that job is really high. Okay. Um, and I remember getting to a point, like, we ran into a client somewhere, and they were, like, panicked and running. Like, we, we weren't even supposed to see them. Like, we bumped into them out oh, in public yeah. somewhere. Yep. And they're like, oh, we have to go to the hospital. Like, Grandma is having a stroke or something. And we were like, oh. And then we're, like, making jokes about it later. And I'm like, what does this say about us? That, like, we have reached this point where we're so callous that we're... I mean, some of it was... We were mostly joking about how they said it. Because they were like, oh, yeah, she's having a stroke out in the truck. (laughs) And we're like, don't you think you should be, like, calling an ambulance? And they're like, oh, it happens all the time. And we're like, what? (laughs) So, like, we were more so joking about their attitude toward it, but still, the fact that we're even just like, oh, yeah, grandma's having a stroke in the truck, like... Draining away that empathy. Right. Not like recognizing have... that you're you're no longer... Yeah, because I, I, I can see that. I mm-hmm. can see when you have needs, uh, or you uh, particularly emotional needs, mm-hmm. that people are looking to you to, to help them through, and it's a constant... Week yeah. after like week you after just, week. Like, and you just, you don't have anything left. And so right. at some point you're just kind of like, okay. Um, like I remember when I worked at the psych unit, I actually worked in the ER doing crisis evaluation. And like, we had this run of like a couple of months where like a lot of times in crisis, you have a whole bunch of different diagnoses that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So like one time you might have somebody that's like um, having a bad schizophrenic episode and they're hallucinating. Right. And then the next person is maybe suicidal and like, di- like there's just a lot of different right. things that you're dealing with. But we had a run of like a couple of months where like literally we had nothing but people who were depressed and suicidal. Wow. And that, like, I can it was see exhausting. how that yeah. Like you see it and you start like writing the things that they're writing down. I'm like, yeah, you're depressed. You're suicidal. Uh huh. And like, and like you just sort of become numb to it. Right. Um, and I think the same thing ends up being true of pastors. And it's not mm. that they don't have empathy, it's that they're burned out. Right. And so you're you're giving them like, oh, they're narcissistic. No, they're burned out. Right. And like the burnout rate for pastors is even higher than the burnout rate for it, counselors. It is. It is very high. Um, I think I've said it before, but yeah, the the rate of pastors um, not lasting beyond one year mm-hmm. is extremely high mm-hmm. and not lasting bet- for five years i mean you're, yeah. you're talking th- there's some major yeah. uh things there and and i'm just laying this out i i i think i understand some of those pressures like mm-hmm. I, i'm not saying i i was seriously thinking about quitting uh i'd be lying if i <laughs> if i said i never had those thoughts yeah <laughs> But um, I think we all go through those with our various jobs. I'm not going to, you know. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I can I can understand why that is, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. So, okay, moving on. I don't want to talk too much about narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, although maybe I should 
if if people are wondering what narcissist, you know, what that term comes from, look it up. You can look up narcissist, yeah. which is um, like some sort well, of bowling and then deal. Just, just and be discerning because there's a lot of pop psychology on the internet, like that you read, like, oh, narcissists do that, and I'm like, nope, that's a borderline. Like right. you're you're convoluting your diagnoses. Yeah, and and like I said, there has been a recent book out, and I. You have to forgive me. I don't know the ni- the title of it, but it was about particularly about narcissists, uh, pastors, and uh, narcissistic tendencies, and uh, and or people with the personality disorder. So yeah. kind of trying to help equip pastors, I think, to understand themselves if they do have those tendencies. But sure. if they're a true narcissist, they're probably not going to read the book. But yeah. that's a whole nother issue. Sure. <laughs> the, well, a narcissist would read the book so that they can tell other people about how oh. narcissistic they are. <laughs> that's... I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on from that. Um, uh, we're going to... I, I want to ask you about this um, because... You actually already mentioned a little bit about your experience uh, with somebody else, um, possibly having some angelic yeah. type things uh, in camp or at camp uh, when you were growing up. And uh, I know you, you've you come to me and shared about, I don't even know what to describe them, if you want to call them visions or... Sure. Just stuff um, that... I always say that God lets me see what's going on spiritually in a room. Okay, okay. Because, like, I don't, I feel like otherwise you get bogged down in, like, the theology of, like, what is it? And, like, I'm not really worried about that. This is what God is doing. Okay. So, so you have come to me before and said, hey, this is what I saw. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I take it and I think the first time you did that or the first or second time or however... You know, it's like okay, I'll take it. I don't really know what to think about it. Yeah, um, and I, I wasn't don't know what sure. To think about like, it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure about it. Like I'm like, are you serious or are you just kind of playing with me or like what? Or maybe you know? you're a little bit crazy. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> you're, you're the crazy one. <laughs> like, yeah, um, but you do have these things, uh, and you know, I, I take it for what it is. I just yeah. say. Oh, that's cool. And I tried, I, I, I'm encouraged by it, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. I don't let that, I, I try not to let my um, uh, theology or, yeah, my understanding, or, I don't try to figure it all out, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. I just take it for what it is and, ex- and say, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let it, and I allow it to encourage me. And hopefully it encourages others in that process. So, um, would you share just a little bit about that or I mean um, so I'm not like just like things that I've seen or do you mean like how that started or I, whatever you want okay <laughs> um, so I think like from the time I first started hearing the stories at camp about seeing angels I like prayed that I would I would see angels one day um, and I think for a long time the closest thing I had there was this one time at camp we were sleeping out like way out on the edge of camp property in these shelters and some wild animal came after our leftover s'more stuff at like four in the morning. Um, found out later that one of my campers had stuck her like half of her s'more that she didn't eat under her pillow. Oh. So it was probably trying to get into the shelter and there was like too many people. But whatever it was, it was angry and it was like, it was, it was actually pretty scary. Um, and fortunately, there was another counselor that was there with me. We were both camp staff kids that like grew up at camp together. It was like 
Thursday night and neither of us had a voice left or anything uh, and I was like she had more of a voice than I did so I was like Rachel you have to sing and so she's like <laughs> singing every fireside song she could think of and I got the lantern relit and so it was staying like outside the periphery we never saw it um but this went on for probably 10-15 minutes where this thing just kept circling outside yeah. the the open front shelter and then all of a sudden I heard this man's voice behind the Adirondack shelter like it was very clear and it said it's gone you're gonna be fine okay and it was so real I actually got up there was like a, a crack in the the log chinking and I actually went out like went over and like was trying to look through and Rachel was like what are you doing and I'm like didn't you hear that and I thought one of the maintenance guys like knew about this animal and was out there like trapping it or something like it was that <laughs> vivid. Um, and so that I would say is like my first experience with with anything angelic. But like okay. I actually physically heard right. a man's voice. Um, so then, let's see, that would have been I would have been like eighteen then. Um, and we had moved away from camp at that point. And so I think the next time that anything like that, I've never heard anything again. Um, so I did a whole bunch of things. I ended up going to college in Virginia and then I ended up moving to the upper peninsula of Michigan on this sort of wild adventure for like a year and a half. Um, and then after I moved back from Michigan, I'd spent a year and a half there volunteering. And so I didn't have any money to like you know, rent an apartment, and then I ended up moving back in with my parents, who had, at that point, left the Mennonite church, and were going, they go to a charismatic church now, and so while I was living with them, um, I took this, like, training class on um, Holy Spirit and power ministries, Okay. Um, and they, part of that training, they talked about how, like, if somebody has a spiritual gift or something like that, and you want it, or, or you want to be able to walk in that, you should have them pray over you that that and like impart the gift to you. Okay. And I was like, all right, I can do that. And so then that summer I went back and I was, um, I was working for the same organization that I had worked with when I went to Michigan. Um, and the first, I had, they moved me around a couple of times that summer, but the first week they actually had me in Harrisburg and we went to this like charismatic churches youth group. And there was this lady there that um, had recently started seeing, like God started showing her what was happening in the room. And maybe that's where I got it because okay. that's how she explained it. Yeah. And so she got up in this service and like told them like what she saw yep. in the room. And so afterward I went and found her and I was like, listen, I was told that if somebody has a gift and I want it, <laughs> that I'm supposed to have them pray over me that there would be is for impartation. And she was like, and she, she said, well, I'll pray over you. She's like, but honestly... God is willing to show you if you're willing to, if you have the faith and you're willing to, to see, mm. like you just have to ask. And so she just prayed over me that I would, I would have the faith to see. Um, it was a very simple thing. And then, um, let's see, it would have been the end of that summer that I moved back to Bradford County. I was living in Sayre and through a whole series of events, I ended up getting connected to Lighthouse of Faith in Kenya. Oh, yeah. Yep. They were meeting in a firehouse in Tawanda at the time. Okay. On Sunday evenings. And um, I had started grad school and like a whole bunch of things. And so it would have been probably, I had moved in August and then it would have been in May. I actually drove out to the church for the first time. Every third Monday they have a, like a... A big uh, like they have like a, a worship service, right. a yeah. Monday night worship service, um, and so I went to that, 
and it was the craziest thing like I literally it was it was so overwhelming um, because God just he showed me what was going on in the room but it was so vivid that I couldn't I couldn't process it like right. it was like 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 it's like a muscle that you've never used before <laughs> right and so I literally just sat in the pew because I couldn't I couldn't sing and I couldn't stand like I like I literally just had to sit there and I had to close my eyes um, because it was too much and it got to the point where I could like open my eyes sometime like I would see God doing something and then I would open my eyes and he would actually be like and it was interesting seeing like I could see the person responding to mm-hmm. what God was what I was seeing God doing right. Um, so they were responding to it, but I could see what was actually happening. Okay. Um, it was really wild. And so for, I would say the rest of that summer, every worship service I was in, it didn't matter where it was, but every worship service I was in, it was like that where I couldn't okay. even, I couldn't really even process right. what was happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really interesting. And I would say now it's cause like scripture says the spirit is subject to, to the man. And so like, like it's not God is not going to not that he's not going to overwhelm you because I think God does allow us to be overwhelmed because right. then we're dependent on him but it's more that like as I've learned how to interact with it yeah I have not that I have more control over it because God ultimately has control over it but it's more like I can't handle this right now God and I can turn it off okay. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. It's it's neat for me to hear it because I just love to hear how like yeah how you even process all that and like you know I'm sure you get like weird looks when people like talk to you or when you talk to people about it if you do talk sometimes and then like you know like I admitted like I don't know how to process it yeah like what am I I had and so somebody I just, recently was like. Uh, I think that's weird. And I'm like, it is weird. <laughs> like, like, you are correct. It's very weird. Um. I like your, I like how you talk about it, though, because you make it like, it's, you make it so it's like, well, this is, this happens. I, I And right. you don't have an explanation. And it's right. okay. Right. Like, we don't have to have, like, all of the explanations exactly, yeah. you know. And I think that's what's so cool about the mystery of you could say Christianity or yeah. or God um, and embracing some of those yeah those mysteries. Well, and then I was still in grad school at that point, and then I started working at the hospital. Uh, probably right around what has been no, it was like a year after that. I started working at the hospital, and so I'm like doing crisis evaluation and like these people. So a lot of times psychosis hides behind like is hidden in religion. Right. Um, and so like it's it's really strange like as somebody that sees this stuff I'm often suspicious of it in other people which is why I understand when people are suspicious of it when I say it (laughs) because I'm like okay how much of this and I didn't used to be um, but I've had enough experience now with like people who are being hospitalized and they're telling me about God speaking to them and I'm like I don't think that's God honey (laughs) like Uh. um, or like I had this one patient she was hilarious I really liked her Um, But she was completely, yeah, she was hallucinating pretty badly. And, um, but God talked to her and his name is Mo, by the way. Okay. Um, And like, she would tell me like the things that he's telling her and I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Just writing it down. And so I had this like period of time where I'm like, maybe I'm actually just crazy. Like, maybe I'm not really seeing this stuff and I'm actually just crazy. Um, 
And so, like, having to sort of process through that, and I think the difference is, like, and this is where I say, like, I'm very cautious when when other Christians tell me, like, you know, I saw this. Um, because one of the things I'm looking at is, like, how are they discerning mm. about that? Yeah. Um, so, like, when I see things at church, I come and tell you, or I come and tell Keegan, or, like, when Darren was here, I'd come right. and tell them. Because as the church leadership... That's your responsibility to carry. My responsibility is telling you what I'm seeing. Okay, I see. Um, and there are some things I think I told you once, like if it's specific to one person, I'm not going to go and tell the church leadership right. that's for that person, so I'm going right. to go and tell them. Um, and again, like that's that's up to them right. to interpret or use how they want to. Right. Um, and some people, like, I'll go and I'll tell them, like, listen, God lets me see this stuff. And if you're interested, like, I'd love to tell you what he's showing me. But if they're not interested, like, that's fine. Like, that's not on me. Yeah. That's between them and God. And if they aren't, and, like, yeah. people are at a different place. And so I just. And I know we've talked to before that. about, again, there's this idea sometimes where it's like, well, I don't see things. So how am I? Like, are you more connected spiritual or spiritual, yeah. you know? And it's like, well. No, there's just a different gift, or right. it's a different, you know, it's just to it's totally different. So, some some people won't at all understand that, right? You know, um, and uh, we can describe it even in preaching that way. Like, like yeah. for for some people, they would never want to preach or even mm -hmm. you know be open to that. Uh, yeah. Or that God just hasn't given them that gift, and that's okay. Um, for whatever right. reason, I've been given that. I believe and mm -hmm. uh i try yeah. to walk in that um and and uh but it doesn't make me more spiritual right than or more connected to god than somebody else right now um i hope i'm connected to god <laughs> and yeah. spiritual but uh you know i certainly try to be uh and try to put and i think that's where we had a i think i had this conversation with you a couple of months ago after small group one time where like I actually, I missed the church that I went to in Virginia because mm. there were a lot of people, um, there were a number of people, and we sort of like learned about and started growing in listening to, hearing from God sort of together. And so there was this like synergy that happened. So like one of my really, really good friends from that church, her name is Gerilyn, um, God like talks to her very directly and sometimes I'm really jealous because he, he'll like like Geraldine you need to do this and this and this today and she's like okay and she goes and she does that mm. and I'm like why can't God be that direct with me like why do I get these like weird like you know there's lights and like what you know whatever's going on like and it's cool but sometimes I just want God to be direct right um Whereas she's, like, a very visual person, and she's like, I wish I saw, like, all of the things that you see. And I'm like, let's trade. But that's not how it works. But, like, together, like, when when we're together and we're ministering, and then, like, the pastor's wife from that church, Diane, um, also, she sees things in the spirit, but she sees it very differently than I do. Um, and so, like, she'll see something, and she'll be like, I just saw this and this and this happen. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense, because this and this and this is going okay. on. And then Gerilyn, or like Gerilyn will be like, God told me that we need to do this. And I'm like, well, yeah, because this is happening. Right. Um, and so when you have when you have that synergistic relationship, like you actually yeah. get to see those gifts working in tandem, and, and it's a really cool... And it's more of a community-based thing, which right. I think is key, because I think you know we're taught in scripture to to join in community and to hear the voice of god in community mm -hmm. uh 
probably more so than even individually. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say, that's, you know, that coming from Mennonite yeah. realms, uh, community um, is a big deal because uh, decisions were made as you know a church based on community and on, um, you know, what they were hearing from God. Uh, you know, so you can sit down with the scripture, you can, right. you can talk about it in community, and that was like hearing the voice of God, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, there's, there's a, that's a definitely a big part. I think sometimes we maybe downplay that right. in today's society. Um, we're more individualistic that way, and yeah, and things like that. Well, and that's something where, like, I think in community, part of that discernment is being allowed to say, like, um, you know, I think you missed it on that one. Right. And that's something else I missed. So, like, um, Gerilyn actually interprets dreams. And I've always had, like, okay. just really vivid dreams. And sometimes they're just nonsense. Um, like, you know, I had <laughs> too much pizza before bed or something. But, like, other... So, like, sometimes I'll call her and be like, hey, I had this really weird dream. And she's like, yeah, I'm not, like... I'm not getting nothing. anything. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. She's like, I think it's just a weird dream. But other times I'll be like, this is a weird one. So it's probably just like something I ate. And I'll yeah. tell her. And she's like, no, it means this, 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 and this. Okay. Um, and But there have also been times where I'll like send her a dream. And I know for sure, like some of them, I'm like, this definitely is like God trying to tell me something. Mm. And, she'll be, and she'll give me an interpretation. I'm like, no, nope, that doesn't resonate. Like we missed it on that yeah. one. Um, but being able to say that where like, I think a lot of times... Um, prophecy and like because that's what I mean all of this is is it's prophetic it's prophecy stuff Um, I think sometimes it gets abused where it's like I'm the prophet and Mm. like this is what God is saying and there's no room for error in the prophet Um, either they're narcissistic or (laughs) or we have this idea that a prophet can never be wrong um, and I think, like, I'm I'm learning and I'm growing and hearing God and, and seeing what he's showing me, and sometimes I'm going to miss it. Mm. Um, and and that's okay, And but I have to be humble enough to own that. Right. Like, hey, like, right. this is what I think God is saying. Um, and I think I'm also, I've had people prophesy over me and, and miss it either on, like, how they interpreted what right. they were seeing or, like, something like that. So I'll, I'll just do an example. Um, the first time I ever had somebody prophesy over me was actually, we were living in Williamsport at the time and going to Mountain View Fellowship. Oh, okay. Um, Dan Colton was yep. my, was our youth pastor at the yeah. time. Um, and what, what was it? There was, we were at Mount Zion for some kind of youth retreat, youth event thing. And there was this group from Lancaster that was up. And um, one of the things they told me that day, and I have the whole thing written down somewhere, but they said that God was standing behind me, roaring like a lion, um, this is my girl. And at the time, I was dealing with a lot of fear. And so it was just this, like, you don't have to be afraid because God is literally standing at your back Mm. as this giant roaring lion protecting you. Um, And so then fast forward, like, years later, I come back from my year and a half in Michigan, and I was working with... um, bunch of really great kids but there was a lot of there's a lot of spiritual warfare I'll just leave it at that because um, I'm Facebook friends with a lot of them so I'm not <laughs> going to go into all of that um, but there's a lot of spiritual warfare that happened and I coming back I was pretty exhausted and the very first weekend after I came moved back to my parents 
um, was like a prophetic weekend at their church where they do like personal prophecy. Like, and this is a mega church, so they'll go through like a thousand people in a service yep. and prophesy over every single one of them. Like, okay. it's very organized. Um, and so the girl that prophesied over me said that she saw God. She said, you've seen God as a lion, and now he's going to reveal himself as a lamb. And her interpretation of that, of what she saw, was that I've seen God as, like, being very judgmental and harsh, and that mm -hmm. he's going to reveal himself as a loving father. Okay. Um, but in the context of my relationship with God, and this is where I had enough understanding of prophecy to know, like, this is what she saw, and this is how she interpreted that. Okay. Versus how I interpret that and what God as a lion means in my spiritual walk is not that God is judgmental or that he right. is harsh. It means that he's protecting Protector, me. Yeah. And I'm moving into a different season where I get to rest and play. Okay. Because that's what a lamb means to me. Okay. And what that means in my spiritual journey. And hmm. so it's like you're transitioning from a, a season of warfare to a season of rest. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in, if, uh, <laughs> here, you know. So I find that interesting, you know. I've never, you know, trying to work through charismatic gifts, trying to work through all of those things. There are so many interpretations, interpretations, mm -hmm. uh, opinions, and I'll just be honest. I I definitely struggle with some, and mm -hmm. not so much with others. I I try to be fairly open about those things. Um, and try not to get too um, one-sided, I guess, if yeah. you want to say it that way. Um, and just having an understanding. I think it's good for people to have an under a general understanding of just being um, generally open to uh, what people are experiencing mm -hmm. um, and trying to take it for what it is and, right. and learn from that, you know, and, uh, and just... Yeah. So, and, and try not to be too critical. I used to be a lot more critical. I used sure. to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to know what, you know, yeah. what was what. Um, be, but uh, I've learned how to be a little more open to some of those, yeah. those things just because of the I think that prophecy has been so abused in the church that um, I think some not all denominations, but I think there are a lot of churches and a lot of de denominations where you've had people who've had a horrible experience with it. Mm. Um, and so we, we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we right. say, we're not going to do any of that. Right. Um, and I think instead there needs to be a response from the church where we're like, we teach people what it is, but we also teach people how to use it in a healthy hmm. way. Um, and that's something where, like like I said, my parents go to a charismatic church and they do these prophetic weekends, but in every service, before they prophesy over anybody, they go through like and teach, like, what is prophecy? How do you use it? How do you discern? What do you mm. do with it after you walk away from here? Okay. Um, and they give everybody like a little bookmark or like a pamphlet or whatever on like, this is what prophecy is and this is how you use it and interpret it. Right. And so it's giving people that, that training and instruction to be able to use it in a in a healthy way right um and i think it helps to prevent because i've seen people take like a prophetic word and like where they go with it and what the, and how they interpret it in their own life and like it's their right to interpret it in their own life how however they will right um but i think they end up 
hurting themselves mm. more than anything because they haven't been given good instruction on how prophecy is to be used. Right. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So one thing I do know about all the gifts is mm -hmm. they are used for the edification of the body, for mm -hmm. building one another up. And so I think that, you know, for me, I've always tried to keep that in mind when I'm uh, thinking about these things and, and discerning, maybe, mm -hmm. you could say. And also, um, you know, what am I doing? You know, am I intentionally uh, doing things to undermine the building up mm. of the body or not you know or yeah. am I encouraging that because I find that to be um, you know that I think if I am undermining it it can be um, not so good yeah <laughs> so no, yeah we, we don't want to undermine what the Holy Spirit is doing <laughs> right right and just trying to, to learn that so wow um, well we've talked for a good long time and there's still <laughs> other things I would love to talk to you about but I think I'm gonna call it a day okay. uh, on this one but we have had an interesting conversation reaching from your just your spiritual walk your own walk uh, yeah. as far as uh, growing up from talking about psychology and narcissism <laughs> and and then some uh, of my favorite subjects <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i have thoroughly enjoyed this yeah. and uh so thank you for yeah, coming thanks on for and asking um me. uh i guess what i'll do now i'm i'll just do a short prayer and then okay. we'll um i'll let you go so lord i thank you for uh this time that we could just get to know sonny a little better and just uh to hear from her i thank you for uh yeah, just all the things we can learn from each other's experience and um, how we can be open with each other and uh, and just open to what you would have to teach us in these moments. Thank you for um, leading and guiding us. I ask that you would lead and guide us through this time, particular particularly with coronavirus and trying to um, know how to... Um, bring about uh, spiritual maturity in all of the believers and to equip one another. And uh, I just ask that we would be open to your spirit in this time uh, and always, really. So we thank you, Lord, for uh, what you're doing and ask that your kingdom come on earth as, as it is in heaven. And uh, I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks for listening. See you. Bye.